The Real Estate Sessions is brought to you by FIRST. FIRST knows that a real estate professional's most valuable asset is their relationships. A strong personal network is the moat that can guard against any industry disruption. But there is never enough time to nurture your network the way you want to. FIRST powers top agents with artificial intelligence to spotlight the people who are most likely to sell. This brings focus and attention to make important connections when it matters most. Learn more and request a free demo at first.io. One thing I'm confident about is that the future of real estate is going to involve the agent at its core. Um, I think we've, we've gotten to that point that is crystal clear for us as a brand is we have to be making the moves and enhancing our offerings that benefit the agent uh, at its core. So looking ahead, 80, 87%, I believe, of all buyers purchased their home through an agent the past year and 89% of buyers who use their agent would recommend it again. So that just goes to benefit that these numbers underscore that consumers continue to view agents and cold banker agents more specifically as a trusted advisor and a critical resource in the selling or buying of their home. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions podcast where industry leaders share their stories and offer tips and advice for real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 162 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and telling a friend. It's As I always say, it's how we continue to grow. And uh, today I'm, I'm very excited. I get to I get to talk to somebody who really knows marketing. I'm talking about David Marine. David is the senior vice president of marketing with Colwell Banker. I had the honor of meeting David at the Inman event in New York, and I've known about him for a long time. David, people like Lindsay Lestansky, and um, let's see who else is there. Alexandra Filiacci have all told me about you, and I should have you on the show. And I'm really happy to finally make that happen. So welcome to the podcast. My pleasure, Bill. Happy to be able to talk with you today and looking forward to it. I think most people listen to you and, and we know that there's a little back east in you. I know you live in New Jersey and uh, That's right. a, little, a little birdie told me that you are a rabid Mets fan. First of all, am I correct with that? That you are 100% correct. Have been since 1985, long-suffering Mets lifer, as I like to call myself. Awesome. As a, as a guy who grew up in San Diego um, and who never experienced a championship in any sport, Unless you count, <laughs> unless right. you count indoor soccer, we had uh, we had ten of those in a row with this. Oh wow! Yeah, so but nobody counts it. Um, That's cute. Yeah. It's cute. <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, we got to talk about your Mets this year. You had to be going through the roof at the start of the year because I think they went like eleven and one out of the gate, and then and then kind of came back to earth. So let's talk about that. I want you to explain that to me, and then I want you to talk about Jacob Degrom. There are people saying, how can a guy be 10 and 9 and win the Cy Young? My guess is you can tell me why. So, yeah, let's, I'll start with the, the Mets start to the season, which every single Mets fan who's worth his salt was like not saying anything during those first two weeks of the opening of the season because we were all just like, is this for real? Is this really happening? What's, what's going on here? There were never that type of expectations. And Mets fans have been through this long enough to know that the shoe is going to drop and things are going to come back down to earth. But what has been the problem for the last several years with them is injuries. They just never can seem to stay healthy, and it's always the most critical uh, people that are getting hurt on the team. Everyone from Cespedes to Noah Syndergaard was out. You know, third baseman Todd Frazier got off to a hot start, and then he got injured, and Jay Bruce. Then he could never get back on track. And then one of my favorite Mets of all time, David Wright, has been injured perennially, and he just had to retire. So the injury bug has bitten us. 
But what you want to talk about Jacob DeGrom? Yeah, tell me how good this guy is. So, first of all, he is your National League Cy Young Award winner, and anybody who says otherwise uh, doesn't know baseball. Uh, the 10-9 and 9 record seems to be the one thing that people like to key in on, but he ended the season with a 1.7 ERA, 269 strikeouts, okay? He's only the second pitcher in Major League history since they started keeping track of ERA, which was, I think, in 1913 or so. He's only the second with a sub-2 ERA, 250 or more strikeouts, and fewer than 50 walks. So the other person to do that was Pedro Martinez in 2000 when he just had that ridiculous season for the Red Sox. Right. So if that's not even enough for you to show how historic this season was for him, the person who finished second in ERA, uh, Nola on the Phillies, he would need to throw 90 consecutive scoreless innings to catch DeGrom in ERA. Wow. Scherzer, finished th- who will finish third, he needs 107 scoreless innings. <laughs> I love your passion, David. This is awesome. And didn't he, he also set a record for like quality starts is a really weird term because six innings yeah. runs is not really that quality, to be honest. But he set a record <laughs> for most consecutive quality starts this year, right? Yeah, I believe it was 24 consecutive quality starts. He didn't have a single game where he gave up four or more runs. The 10-9 and record, so... To put that in perspective, there was a 18-inning stretch uh, where he pitched which was across three starts where the Mets only scored three runs for him, mm. and he drove in two of them. <laughs> so when, when you look at quality starts, that's to put you in position to win a game, and when you can't score a single run, uh, you're not going to win a game. So yeah. win-loss record, yeah, you would typically expect it to be better of your Cy Young winner. However, every other single stat is showing that this was a legendary season. So right. uh, I can't wait for him to accept the award, and uh, he's going to win it. I'll be thinking of you when, it, when, I, see that, uh, when I see that happen. So. Please. Hey, uh, real, real quick. <laughs> so you're a Mets fan, so that means you do not like the Yankees, right? That is, I am not a Yankees fan. I will endure them. I'll watch the games and the playoffs and stuff. I'm not someone who has a rooting interest in the Yankees. But uh, I can respect good baseball, and they've got one of the best lineups out there uh, when they're on fire. But they do have some issues with their pitching this year, and I think that might be the the fall of them in the uh, NLDS when they face Boston. Yeah. Would you say you're rooting for the Red Sox or the Yankees or neither? (laughs) I would say neither. Okay. I'm actually rooting for the Dodgers. I'd Ah. like to see the Dodgers get that World Series. Nice. I, I like that. I like that. And plus, that's the, that's the blue in the Mets, right? That's, that was uh, where that came that's from. That's right, right. Yeah. So if you, I had to pick a second favorite team, it would be the Dodgers. Great. Talk about where you grew up um, and how the Mets came to be your team. So you're obviously, I think you grew up in New Jersey. Am I correct there? Yeah. For most of my life, I was actually born in Arizona on an Army base, lived in uh, Columbus, Ohio for several years as a kid, but have spent the majority of my time in Jersey. 1985, I decided I wanted to play Little League Baseball, and so I signed up, started getting into the game, and as any second grader would do, he looks on and says, who's in first place? And that's who I will who I will cheer for. And at the time, it was the Mets, and so then I was like, oh, because the Yankees were in last place. So I started following them, and my parents paid for, back in the day, what was called Sports Channel, and it was so you could get every single Mets game and watch it on TV, and it became a, a thing every night. After homework during the spring, I uh, was to sit down with the with my mom and dad and uh, watch Mets baseball, and we would go to like I don't know six or seven games every year, and uh, just from there I was I was hooked. 
I'm a loyal guy. So even through the highs and the lows, I've always been uh, a Mets fan. That's that's like Gooden, Strawberry, Dykstra. I mean, that's that was a hell of a team. That was oh. fun. <laughs> yeah. I had posters of Strawberry, Gooden, even Kevin McReynolds, Howard Johnson, Gary Carter, all in my room at the same time. And uh, yeah, they were exciting teams. They probably underperformed, but uh, for that three-year stretch from four-year stretch from like '85 to '88 and even '90 was was some like really great baseball. Well, you and I will have these conversations at another time in another place. Because I usually get yelled at about this <laughs> about this time for somebody going. I thought we we're going to talk marketing. So, and yeah, yeah. David's story. <clears throat> so let's let's move on. I, I'm going to guess, you know, as you were, uh, you know, high school headed off to college, that you really weren't thinking about mm-hmm. real estate as an option. Is that is that the case? That's correct. Yeah. So what were you going to be? What as you were entering college, where'd you go to school? First of all, what were you going to do? I went to college at Bob Jones University, which is a Christian college down in Greenville, South Carolina. So I do have some uh, Southern blood in me for four years there. And I wanted to be an advertising guy. I told my parents when I was younger that I wanted to make TV commercials when I grew up. Um, They said, hey, how about you set your goals a little bit higher than, than that? But graduating from college, I had dreams of being like Mad Men and working at a big ad agency in New York City and making a career out of that. And then, but things changed. And I found out that I had some offers from Sports Illustrated and some big um, agencies within the New York City metro area. I decided like, you know what, that, that grind of traveling in and out of the city and then one bedroom apartments and underpaid overwork, that kind of stuff, that it didn't feel right for me. So I actually started working for a small ad agency in Morristown, New Jersey, which was about like five miles from where I was living at the time, but it was focused on high tech companies. And I love technology uh, almost as much as I love sports. And so that to me was like, oh, this is a really interesting sweet spot. So that's actually where I started. How long did it take for a Cobalt Banker to enter the scene? It feels like you've been there a while. Yeah, this is uh, my 16th year with the brand, which is just really weird to think that was that long. But I actually got into the real estate industry because I got laid off. So the story goes, I bought a home in September of 2001. Actually, I bought it the day before 9-11. And then I got married in December of 2001. And then Valentine's Day of 2002, I walked into the office and found out that I was getting let go. After 9-11, a lot of these tech companies at the time of you know, 2001, 2002 is the big uh, dot-com boom. Um, and after 9-11, the money dried up and marketing was the first thing to go. So the agency that I was part of decided that I was one of the younger ones and decided to let me go. So I had a new house, a new wife, and no job, which was at the time the most devastating thing that I thought could ever happen to me. And my wife had just graduated in December with a master's degree in rhetoric and public address and we had just gotten moved into this house, gotten married, and we're uh, deciding like she was going to find that perfect job for her and really set her career. And she had to take a job answering phones at a local business just so that we would have a paycheck come in in addition to unemployment I was collecting. So I was unemployed for two months and I had gone on, you know, what felt like hundreds of different interviews and, and nothing was opening. But then I applied for a job on hotjobs.com to be the electronic product manager at Coldwell Banker. And uh, after several interviews, I got that job. And 16 years later, who would have thought that I would be in charge of marketing at the same brand where that gave me that start? Wow. 
I, I usually bring this up when I talk to someone affiliated with Cobalt Banker. They're not a banker. It was two gentlemen, one named Coldwell yeah. and one named Banker, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah. and, and That's exactly it. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people don't get that. Um, even people in the business don't know that story. And it's, 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 is it the oldest brokerage in the country? Yes, we're the the oldest national real estate brand uh, in the United States. Started back in 1906, after the San Francisco earthquake, really by Colbert Coldwell, who started things off, and then Benjamin Arthur Banker joined him later. And it's an incredible story. I won't go into the whole details, but it was founded basically on this Coldwell saw at the time after the earthquake in San Francisco that there was a lot of unscrupulous activity going on within the real estate sector of you know, realtors cheating their people and selling them properties weren't worth as much as they were than buying them themselves and reselling them at a higher price. And he decided to put into that. And he was actually the first to institute a code of ethics for real estate company. And we actually had ours before NAR established theirs. We're the first to establish seller disclosure. So it's that that equity and trust that is was started by our founders way back then. It still holds true today as, as a core of who we are as a brand. It's just as important today as it was back then, it seems like to me. I mean, that's... Oh, absolutely. Let's talk about the changes you've seen. Now, you weren't in a a leadership role when you first started with the company, but you were heavily involved in what was happening. Um, So let's... I don't don't know if we have enough time in this podcast to go through all of the major, you know, or all of the changes, but what are some of the biggest things that have occurred since you first took that position in, in 02 to today when it comes to the branding, advertising, marketing stuff? I mean, you're talking about being there at the advent of social um, and all kinds of other tech changes, right? Yeah, it's really in, in looking back and you don't, you don't see it at the time, but I've been truly blessed with the opportunity that's been given me here at the brand and to be able to do stuff. And what's also what I love about Coldwell and is instilled from the very top all the way down is this idea of a willingness to, to innovate and to try new things and to extend beyond the norm. And so I remember my first week on the job here, they brought in this binder, this three ring binder. that was like, I don't know, three inches thick. They put it down in front of me. They said, this is a listing presentation. This is what our agents do uh, when they're trying to get someone to sell their home through them. We need to figure out a way to t- make this digital for the future. And so it's like, oh, you mean like turn it into a PowerPoint presentation? And the response back was, can you do that? I was like, uh, yeah, I, I think I can do that. <laughs> so claim to fame, I created the first ever uh, PowerPoint listing presentation in co-banker history. But since then, it's been this idea of, hey, I was on Facebook and meeting with friends and I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe this can work for the brand. So I walked in to the head of marketing at that time. I was like, hey, what do you think about us testing this out? Are you okay with that? And it was go, go test it. Let's figure it out and then let us know how it works. And from Facebook to, hey, how about this blog thing? And what if we started creating content to engage with people and give our agents content that they could share with their local spheres? It was go ahead, you do it. Mike Fisher, who's now head of marketing at NRT and was our uh, chief operating officer here for, for a number of years that he used to be in, uh, I used to report to him when he was in charge of the brand marketing. And I remember his first week on the job here, I walked in, I was like, I think we should create uh, mobile versions of our website because mobile seems to be the, the way things are going. And without a blink, he said, go, do it. So from that to creating the first YouTube channel, there's really been a lot of advances in consumer technology that we've been able to apply to real estate and find 
interesting and unique ways to do it. And uh, so that's something that now is the person in charge of marketing, I'm hoping to instill in my team and continue that that culture of innovation. Yeah, there'll be that pay it forward moment for you, hopefully, where somebody walks in and has an idea and you're going to go, yeah, let's go do that, right? You'll be the exactly. same. Exactly. Yeah, that's yes. awesome. That's good. Don't forget to say that. Okay. <laughs> um, that's right. Yeah. So let, let's focus on video on YouTube because Cobalt Banker shines in that space. Uh, it's been fun to check it out. And so let's talk about that. Thank and you. How it, yeah. Oh, it's it's amazing. And so let's start with what was that first campaign, you know, the one that really moved the needle for you and for the company and then just your overall strategy with video going forward? What's interesting is the advent of our YouTube channel actually happened with some negative impacts because we were going through a, a process where we thought we were going to have significant budget cuts on the marketing side of things. And there was like, well, if we can't do very large campaigns and huge rollouts, what's something that is more organic that we could try and test and could still create some buzz. So I remember working with uh, some team members at the time and some agency uh, contacts were like, well, what if we created a YouTube channel where people could watch videos of homes for sale and then agents could tell their stories. And so we had this idea for what we called uh, Coldwell Banker on location. And we created not only the first uh, YouTube channel in the industry, but it was a channel that at the time had a gadget on it where you could search for videos of properties in your local area and different icons, if it was an agent video or a listing video. And that was kind of the, the, the inkling, the seed that has now made us grow into having over 100 million uh, videos viewed on our YouTube channel uh, since it began. And then from that point, video really became part of our culture. It was a component of every single thing we do, whether it was internal communications and announcements from the CEO to promoting new products that are out to TV campaigns to social uh, interest videos that we're sharing on our YouTube channel and showcasing agent stories. It's really now, it's not even something that we focus on because it is so much a part of what we do. And video is um, ubiquitous to the success that CoBanker has. I think I remember you were even at like the Consumer Electronics Show, right? Talking about new home yeah. technology. I mean, that's that's I think that's way out there and way cool. Thanks. Yeah, the Consumer Electronics Show and being part of that with our whole smart home initiative. And we really saw that as one of those things like, hey, homes aren't getting any dumber. They're, they're only going to get smarter and our agents should know about that. And so for the last several years, we've gone to the Consumer Electronics Show. We've done video interviews with everyone from Sony to Samsung and Amazon and all the like uh, to showcase what are the smart home products that we think will impact. And uh, we even did a live stream from there. We did like a 20 minute show with different segments, different interviews, which was a ton of fun. But that's that for us was something like that just makes sense for us to do. And it's what our agents now expect and how we communicate and connect with them. Thinking back on um, you know the uh, a company with 112 years of history, hmm. it's it's always you know important to kind of keep the brand current, right? To to make sure that today's consumer mm -hmm. understands the values and, and the culture of the company. Talk about having to you know work through that process. I know that's been a big part of what you've done uh, uh, as the head of marketing. How, what channels were used to deliver the message, and maybe talk about some of your favorite campaigns. Yeah, I do have the, the benefit that because we are a 112-year brand, there has been that establishment of trust 
over time with consumers. It's recognized name. We have the size and scale of 92,000 agents in 47 countries. That allows us to have that baseline to work from, which is something that is a huge advantage for me as a marketer in working from that base. What has been a great method for us to deliver that? What is the evolving culture of CoBanker has been our, our event that we call the Generation Blue Experience? used to be called an international business conference, which sounds like a snooze fest just in the name alone. And so we really looked at that as a a watershed moment of, hey, let's completely rewrite the script on what people should expect from a real estate brand event. Instead of a three-hour keynote, let's do 20-minute sessions. Let's make it socially based. Uh, Let's throw entertainment in there. Let's have singers and let's do some crazy stuff uh, through video and on stage to make it fun and truly an experience. And I think that has really been a huge driver in embra- agents embracing the brand, feeling connected, feeling it's part of something that's bigger than themselves. And that's then extended into the social realm and all that. As far as the favorite campaign, there's been a ton that I've been able to work on, but I think my favorite is actually the one that is the highest rated national real estate TV commercial of all time that we called Somebody to Love that we ran last year. And that's according to Ace Metrics, which is the third party source that rates uh, ads across all industries. But uh, Somebody to Love, it scored um, a 717 score, which is in the top 5% of all ads ever rated. And it's actually a higher rated ad than any ad ever produced by Ford, Budweiser, Apple, and Google, according to Ace Metrics. Wow. Uh, and it told the story of, of Two lost souls. One just happens to be a dog. One happens to be this guy who find a way to uh, find each other and then create a place that we call home. And it's all part of our Homes for Dogs project, which has been a, a charitable effort that our local companies have have really embraced to find homes for adoptable dogs that we do in conjunction with AdoptAPet.com. And every year, and just happens to be next weekend in October, that is the National Pet Adoption Weekend, uh, where all of our Companies host their own events, and we really uh, shine a light on finding homes for adoptable dogs. So Somebody to Love is one of my favorites, but there have been so many good ones, and even uh, the ones from this year that we call Hoops that ran on March Madness was is another favorite, and Old Dog, New Dog, which just got released uh, this year, is another favorite of mine, too. The actual owners of you know in the company, the the, the broker owners of Cobalt Banker uh, you know, mm-hmm. branches or operations, how, how involved do you have to get with them? As far as letting them know, this is where we're headed with this, you know, this kind of stuff. Do you get feedback from them? You know, I'm sure you get, if you do, it's some, some love it, maybe some don't. How does that part work for you? Yeah, the great thing about this business and everyone actually in any industry is that everyone is a marketing expert. (laughs) Uh, And I say that jokingly, but it's also true is because you're trying to communicate a message through something. And if the person on the other end isn't, isn't getting the message or doesn't like it, you know, that's, that's feedback that's valuable to you. Ironically, next week on Monday, I'm going to a broker's meeting where there'll be a dozen of our top brokers there and they're going to provide input on some of the new stuff that we're rolling out. So there is always feedback, uh, but what has been really interesting over time is when you have uh, data and success metrics that can show how something is working or not, then that doesn't really matter when it's based on opinion. So someone can say like, oh, you know what? I really don't like that ad. I don't think it worked well. And you're like, okay, that that's fine. Hey, look at this though. Uh, can one, consumers love it. Two, it's generating this type of, of leads to the business. And three, 
here's the industry accolades that we're getting that's part of it. And then the feedback is like, okay, that, that makes sense. I can, I can live with that. So there's definitely a give and take and there's always uh, a door open for, for feedback and opinions. And there always seems to be more feedback coming. Hard to argue with numbers, unless it's baseball. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to change, switch gears for a little bit. So uh, having an executive with, uh, with you know, one of the top brands in the country, I, I have to ask you your, your thoughts on all of the tech and, I mean, billions and billions of dollars coming in in venture capital to these startup yeah. disruption. You, you know, the word disruptions already become kind of passe. We, we use it too much. But, but talk about at the, at the brand level you're at, how do you, I guess, compete or is it, am I using the wrong word? How do you, you know, strategize with those sorts of players coming into the space? Yeah, the key to all of this is, well, the money that's coming into the tech sector, it's enormous. But we're always looking at what is the technology and then maybe not even tech, but what is the way that disruption can help aid our agents in conducting their business or their ultimate consumers in making the process a little bit simpler. Where I sit, I have a vantage point that the size and scale uh, of data allows us to innovate from a position of strength. Our parent company, Realogy, is investing approximately 200 million in technology in 2017. Nearly half of that used in development, enhancements, and supports of products that our agents are using every single day. Specific to Cole Banker, our CBX technology suite has really revolutionized the agent experience using big data, machine learning, and predictive analytics to really change the conversation at the listing table and allow our agents to go in and say, hey, here's where we should price this home. And if we do this, here's where buyers are likely to come from. And using our proprietary algorithms, we're able to create little snapshots of based on demographic profiles and housing trends, where the most likely buyers to come from. And our agents are able to have a conversation that no other agent in the market is having. They're, we're coming from a position of communicating with data and facts, and it's also proving out. So it's allowed our agents to target ads more efficiently on Facebook and really convey their value to the seller, which currently uh, no one has. You know, here, listening to that answer, my, my first thought is, oh, so big old stodgy Coldwell Banker. You sound just like one of those tech startups. You sound just like one of those disruptors. <laughs> You're doing the same things they're doing, right? Yeah. Well, and it's obnoxious to to say this, so so I'll say it anyway. <laughs> is when I hear a lot of the talk about what they're focused on, uh, part of me is like, well, welcome to the party. This is this is what we have been doing, uh, and this is where we've been focusing on when they're talking about big data and being predictive. Our CBX uh, platform has done that for three years now where we've been working with big data providers to to harness this, this power of it and make it actionable for our agents. And uh, the CBX has gotten some great adoption, some growth this year, and we've actually recently launched seller, uh, what we call seller leads portion of it, which takes the predictive analytics side that we're using to predict where buyers are coming from and now flip the switch and make it for, hey, can we predict what homes are likely to come on the market in the next six to 12 months? And what, what does that look like based on zip code that our companies are able to use uh, and then help them to, to get and win more listings. Well, well, obviously, you know, th these, these programs and things started not in the last six months, they started years ago to, in order to get them out 
today. So without giving away anything too secret or proprietary, and maybe it's more industry, you know, what do you see happening in the next few years? I, I know that's a tough question, but you know, what what's what's down the road as we kind of head down this tech path? Yeah, one thing I'm confident about is that the future of real estate is going to involve the agent at its core. Um, I think we've we've gotten to that point that is crystal clear for us as a brand is we have to be making the moves and enhancing our offerings that benefit the agent uh, at its core. So looking ahead, 87%, I believe, of all buyers purchased their home through an agent uh, in the past year and 89% of buyers who use their agent would recommend it again. So that just goes to benefit that these numbers underscore that consumers continue to view agents and cold banker agents more specifically as a trusted advisor and a critical resource in the selling or buying of their home, which we all know is the most significant asset that that pretty much anyone has. Yet at the same time, the technology side is vital. And there does seem to be obsession in our industry about what is the newest and latest shiny object out there. But I think that Cole Banker as a brand is positioned to disrupt the industry from our position of strength. We intend to continue to leverage our technology suite uh, CBX specifically, our data and our analytics to drive that competitive advantage in all of our products and for all of our agents. So we feel like we've got the building blocks of a platform uh, that now has been out there for two or three years and is c- constantly being tested and improved based on feedback and what new avenues are out there. So we're feeling good about our technology offerings and how it can compete uh, in the years ahead. Okay, so that's that's Cobalt Banker. What about the Mets? Uh, the Mets future is going to be tied up with whether they're willing to spend money or not and get a marquee bat to add. They need to sign DeGrom, sign center guard, build their young core with Conforto and Nimmo, uh, figure out what the heck they're doing with the catcher. They can't, they haven't had a hitting catcher since Mike Piazza retired, Uh. but, uh, yeah, they need to start uh, writing some checks and look at it. Maybe Manny Machado as an as an asset, but they need another big bat because I don't think Cespedes is going to play for another season. Travis Darno has killed me um, on my fantasy. Team. Oh, I know you don't, you don't rely on, you don't rely on <laughs> catchers, but still, you know it's all this promise. You know, I'm like, I got him cheap. It's going to be great. Oh, I know. Well, so I've I've had you here the half hour I asked of your time. You're super busy. Let me ask you the same question I've asked every previous yeah. guest. Right, and that is, if you could give one piece of advice to a new agent just starting in the business, what would it be? Great question. I think that you need to understand that your clients see you as a trusted advisor and expert. So knowledge of the industry, knowledge of your market is critical. At the same time, with technology transforming every industry known to man, and real estate in particular, there needs to be this consistent desire and need to learn to use the tech that's at your disposal, to continue to want to grow that business and not get tied down with, this is how I operate today, and that's going to be successful for me for the next decade. There needs to continue to be that that evolution and learn to use what's at your disposal and ask from your brand and your brokerage, what is it, the, the expertise and the products that, that you can provide. And I think what, with Call Banker, we have that for, with CBX, the technology suite, and in the past, even with our smart home and how we're educating agents on how to use social uh, for their business. So, Understand that you're that trusted advisor, 
but don't uh, rest on your laurels and not see the need to continue to grow and learn, especially with how consumer trends are shaping the way that they are using tech both now and into the future. David, if somebody wants to reach out uh, to you and connect with you, is there a way they can do that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, happy to connect with anyone on Twitter at David underscore Marine. Uh, you'll see me tweeting about real estate, Mets, college basketball, sports, fantasy football, Star Wars, Marvel movies, uh, and all of the above. So yeah, we'd love to connect on there to chat. And then anyone could find me on uh, LinkedIn. Awesome. David, thank you so much for your time today. I I've, I've interviewed a lot of your agents and a lot of your people. I think you know that. Uh, and so there's some great stuff yeah. coming out of that culture. And it, it's great to talk to someone that's uh, a part of that. Truly appreciate it, Bill. Love talking sports with you and uh, the opportunity to share a little bit of my story and what the cultural brand has in store.